Hello and welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, naturopathic nutritional therapist and hormone enthusiast. If you want to learn how to rebalance your female hormones, regulate your menstrual cycle and reclaim your vitality, then you are in the right place. Each week I will be delving into different conditions such as PCOS, endometriosis, infertility, hypothyroidism, acne and hair loss. Stay tuned for interviews with expert guests, Q&As and solo episodes that are all intended to help you move from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer on the podcast, then you can email them to hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome back. I've been so excited to release this podcast episode for months now. We recorded back in, I think, February, March, so before the whole COVID pandemic kicked off. And Dr. my guest is Dr. Kelly Holderman, I should start by saying that. Um, and her book was due to be released earlier this year, but it got pushed back. So it's going to be released in um, December 2020. So I thought I'd hold off releasing the podcast until it was a near time for her book to be released, because I know that you're all going to want to grab it after listening to this episode. So for those who don't know my guest, Dr. Kelly Holderman, she graduated from medical school in 2007 and completed a family practice medicine internship with the University of Minnesota. She has a naturopathic medical degree from Kingdom College of Natural Health, where she is the current academic dean of students. She holds certification in the methylgenetic nutrition by Nutrigenetic Research and certification from the American Functional Neurology Institute in Functional Neurology and Neurofeedback. She's an active member of the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, president and founder of the American Association Nutraceutical Formulators, as well as the member of the American Medical Association and Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. She coined the phrase 2.5 detox, which we're going to be talking about today. And this involves properly restoring biophysiology and our body's built-in toxin transportation system. And she's currently and successfully developed novel nutraceutical products and clinical strategies to support this new important phase of detoxification. Dr. Holderman also has board certification in clinical nutrition and has certification in plant-based nutrition from Cornell University and a health coaching certification from the Institute of Integrated Nutrition. She works alongside her husband, Dr. Charles Holderman at Holderman Wellness in the Twin Cities. Her interests include proper detoxification, chronic Lyme, of which she has personally experienced and beat, as well as regenerative therapies such as ozone and stem cell therapies. So her new book, which I am so excited to get hold of, is called The Thyroid, Thyroid Debacle, and it's due to be released early December 2020. This is co-authored with another guest that I've had on previously, Dr. Eric Balkovich, who I interviewed a few months back, and the episode number for that one is number 71. So I definitely recommend checking that out. And in this episode, we discuss phase 2.5 detox, which you probably haven't heard of unless you're familiar with Dr. Kelly's work. So most people are familiar with phase one, phase two, and phase three. But there's actually a really important step between two and three um, where things can actually get a little bit sluggish, especially for those struggling with more chronic conditions um, for a number of different reasons, which we'll cover. And it's so important that you address that first before pushing 
all of the other phases and that's why people can get die-off reactions and can actually become sicker from the protocols. So we talk about that, we talk about how liver um, detoxification affects our hormones, how to improve bile flow and physiology, thoughts on alcohol and caffeine, how genetics play into this as well. So a ton of information. As I said, I've been so excited to release this one and I've listened to this probably like three or four times because it's just packed with info. So I won't leave you waiting any longer. Here's my interview with Dr. Kelly Holderman. Hi, Dr. Kelly. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I'm excited to chat all about liver detoxification today because I've mentioned it here and there in probably almost all the episodes because what is the liver not in involved in? But we haven't yet done a deep dive into liver detoxification. So I thought you would be the perfect person to have on because you have a bit of a unique um, approach to it as well, including something called 2.5 detox, which I want to cover today because that's not really spoken about even in the functional medicine holistic world. So to start off before we delve into all of this geeky science information, could you start off by introducing yourself to the listeners? Sure. So um, I am from the Twin Cities in uh, Minnesota, and I was born and raised here. I went and did a family practice internship with the University of Minnesota. So I graduated medical school way back in 2007, um, was practicing family practice medicine when I myself became very, very sick. Um, I started to have very strange neurological symptoms, and I was eventually given a diagnosis of MS, multiple sclerosis. And given a big box of pills and a you know pat on the back that my colleagues were very sorry um, for this this grave diagnosis. So basically, I was given a death sentence. At this point, I was about 28, 29 years old. I had two small children, and I was like, no, this is not going to work for me. I was perfectly comfortable in this paradigm of prescribing a pill for every ill, but when it was me and it was my health, unfortunately, the tables were turned, and I wanted to know why. I wanted to know why my body decided to attack my brain and I was not okay with not knowing the root cause. So I went back to school, got a naturopathic medical degree. I started to learn about things like nutrition and liver detox and how important these, um, these learning about the, the function of our body is and then getting into the root cause of it. Um, so I completely healed myself 110%. I'm in better health than I've ever been in my entire life. After being very ill and in bed, you know, for almost two years, um, you know, again, used all these natural principles that you talk about on your show. And we were so excited that I made a recovery. We had another baby. So I wanted to show, you know, the world that everything that I did to my body, I was given a death sentence and that here I, you know, we produce this body produces this perfect child. And I, you know, I, I really um, have a strong background in genetics as well. So my older two children had some um, tongue tie, lip tie, and my son was almost born with spina bifida. And so I optimized my genetics because I knew that those are tied to MTHFR, to methylation, to think. I optimize them in my third child, um, who's 10 years younger than my last. It's just in perfect health, absolutely perfect health. So, you know, there's real power in what we're going to talk about today. There's real strategies that may almost seem too simple, but they are profoundly, profoundly important. And I'm living proof because I would have been dead. I'd be dead by now if I didn't do what we're going to talk about, or I didn't optimize these detoxification pathways. So that's me in a nutshell. I, I'm up in Minnesota. Um, I, I, um, I mostly see um, clients um, about two days a week because I'm so busy educating doctors on, you know, through A4M and all these other um, venues on these important principles, um, and especially phase 2.5, that's 
phase 2.5 detoxification. That's what we're going to talk about. Your listeners are going to get like the, um, the ins and the outs of it, just like they were at a medical conference. So I'm really excited for them. And my listeners are used to, oh, I can hear my voice echoing back for a moment. That's fine. So my listeners are used to um, some more of the sciencey talk, so we can go a bit into the details. But let, before we do that, let's cover the basics. So what exactly is the liver and what are some signs that it may not be functioning optimally? Sure. So I think of the liver having three main jobs. And basically, you can't live without your liver. So, you know, it's of the utmost in the name. Hence the name, right? Um, so the three main jobs I think about is its first job is to filter blood coming from the digestive tract before it passes to the rest of the body. Um, number two is that it detoxifies the chemicals and drugs and supplements and, and old thyroid hormone and cholesterol, so endogenous toxins, endogenous toxins, I guess, um, such as what I just said, old things that need to be recycled, and then um, exogenous toxins. Um, those are like your um, your chemicals, your environmental things that your body, heavy metals, things your body needs to get out. And then thirdly, it secretes bile. So that's really the three main functions in a nutshell of this really important organ. And then symptoms like associating with particularly thyroid, I think the listeners will be um, interested to hear because this is, um, and hormones, sorry, because this is the hormones in how many podcasts. So how does it affect like our sex hormones, our adrenals, thyroid hormones? Oh, I- Absolutely. And that comes down to um, mostly bile function. So when I was in medical school, I learned about bile. And basically, I learned that it was important to um, absorb fat soluble vitamins. And I was so myop- taught so myopically about the function of bile, because one of my mentors is a guest that you've had on Dr. Eric Balcavage. And he opened up the floodgates on how important bile is that your, your uh, liver produces for thyroid function, again, cholesterol metabolism, blood sugar regulation, hormonal balances. And so if you have any of those problems, it could be related to that bile production. Um, even, even just a hormonal problem, it's, it's, it's so interesting that we as medical professionals like to like cut things off, like neurologists for the brain, cardiologists for the heart and this, but it's so intricately wound together, and you've you know probably gone through the science on on all of that. But solely thyroid issues, um, specifically bile salts, will uh, convert T4, uh, your inactive thyroid hormone, to your active T3. So the bile salt acts on the D2 enzyme, and so again, that's thyroid physiology that's coming from that that bile that bile flow. So problems in any of that high cholesterol can you just need to get your liver working you need to get the 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 two prominent ones we're going to talk about of the three functions the detoxification and the production of bile so those two in of themselves you can have a multitude of problems because of how again interwoven this physiology is within the whole rest of the body i think it would be difficult to list a system or a symptom that isn't related to liver, gallbladder, bile health. <laughs> and you can think of all of these people who have had their gallbladders removed for whatever reason, um, maybe estrogen okay. dominant. You've had it as well? Okay. And how do you think that's affected your health? There was a paper that came out in uh, October of 2017. I believe it was in JAMA. And the title of it was MS related, related to bile flow dysfunction. Hmm. Hmm, okay. That was me. So, I mean, even that connection, Vivian, with the brain and the autoimmunity and the bile, you just nailed it when you said, 
I don't think we could come up with something that isn't related to this the functionality of the liver. And that's what's really great because we're going to get into those phases and then we're going to tell you how to fix them, how to optimize them. But for me, when, when um, hosts ask me or doctors ask me, like, what are the symptoms? I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, we're going to cast a really wide net. We're not going to just say, oh, if your patient has, you know, um, detoxification issues and they do bad on detoxification protocols or if they have it's like let's not even think of it that way mm -hmm. let's just say if you're not in the absolute tip-top shape of your life everything isn't perfect well then you can go sit in a corner by yourself pretty much because you don't need your liver supported but for everybody else let's come together and, and for me it's continuing to make sure that the liver is nourished, continuing to make sure every day I'm doing things. It's not like one and done, right? It's that we're, we're continuing to give the nutrients we need. We're continuing to make sure that we're optimizing bioflow. It's just continuing. And these are, these are lifestyle interventions, these are lifestyle habits. But that's what I want people to think in terms of, not is my symptom gone, X, Y, or Z. Let's just, let's just make sure. And then so many things just fix themselves. It's amazing. I think it's safe to say if you're a human being living on planet Earth in the modern environment, you're going to have some detoxification, liver gallbladder issues, obviously there's varying degrees. Some people may seem pretty asymptomatic, but then health issues like MS or autoimmunity start to develop down the line. But we can do so many things to prevent the progression or actually the, um, the start of some of these things. So I think that's really powerful information. And let's start with phase one liver detoxification. So I think most people have heard of phase one and phase two, but I don't know if they actually know what's going on here. So could you break it down to what's happening um, and how to support this phase with maybe food, nutrients, those types of things? So um, in terms of the phases of detoxification, it actually starts with phase zero. So if you think of your hepatocyte, your liver cell, one of your liver cells, the toxins are going to move into the liver cell, right? Because they're they eventually need to get out of the body. So the first phase is phase zero, where it crosses the membrane. So everything is everything's done very meticulously in the body, but it isn't really a whole lot of willy-nilly. So it's not like things just float on into the cells. There's transporters that actually transport in different toxins, different drugs, and we really know all about this because of the, because of how much we've studied drugs. But it's great because then we know how all these phases work. So phase zero, your toxin moves into your liver cell. The first thing it's gonna hit is phase one. Now the majority of the, the workhorse of the enzymes that convert those um, toxins into a bit more, um, more toxic actually, molecules is phase one enzymes are your p54 family the cytochrome p54 so people have heard of those before so again they they make them a little bit more reactive but they're they're trying to get them ready to move into phase two so they're kind of changing the packaging on the outside of them because they're eventually going to move into phase two to become water soluble that's a whole point is we need to get these toxins to become water soluble some are actually already water soluble so some toxins and things can stick phase, phase one, but not a lot. So we really um, make sure that our phase one is, is, is uh, resourced well. And that comes down to using uh, my, favorite, my favorite ways of um, resourcing phase one. It was with food. So um, you know, definitely herbs like milk, thistle, sassafras, 
citrus, um, vitamin C. Everybody's on vitamin C these days, and it's really helping your phase one enzymes. Cruciferous vegetables, also called the brassica family. So cabbage, if you can tolerate cauliflower, um, Brussels sprouts, um, and broccoli. And then um, there's also things like that uh, minerals that um, magnesium and, and uh, some iron can also help resource those phase ones. So that is phase one. Do you see people mainly over-functioning here or under-functioning? And is there a way to test like how effective phase one is? So what I usually do is I take a look at their genetics and it's just, it's, I never, we never treat the genetics, but I kind of look to see if there's any polymorphisms in those phase one, but all in all, you know, if they ever have a lot of polymorphisms um, and the way you can tell a little trick that I learned is that if you, if you run genetics, it'll usually tell you how well you um, can metabolize caffeine, even, um, you know, the really simple genetic profiles that are consumer-based. And usually that, obviously, caffeine, it runs through the, some of the P54. So if you're a really poor metabolizer of caffeine, meaning that if you drink some coffee at 3 p.m., you're up at night, you know, um, or, you know, or you can see it on your genetics, that's a sort of reflection of how well your phase one works in general. Um, it's not perfect, um, and it's not always accurate, but it kind of gives you an idea. So I'm a poor metabolizer of caffeine if I have coffee, like, after like two o'clock, it affects my sleep. So my, and then I actually dig into the real genetics behind like all the um, CYPs. And it, I really do have some polymorphisms that make, I have a tendency then to not be as well, um, well supported in my phase one. So I just naturally use food. There's a really great paper. And I don't know if Dr. Balkavich shared this with you, Vivian, but it's something that I think that um, we should put in the show notes. It's a paper um, out of the Journal of Nutrition, and it shows every phase one enzyme in the food that um, will support it. It's brilliant. So it's food is medicine. It sure as heck is. So I just like to have a really healthy diet of all these phase one, um, you know, uh, cofactors and things. And then I feel that, that then my bases are covered. Yeah, that would be great. If you could send me the link or the name of the paper, I'll include that in the show notes for everyone to refer to. Um, and yeah, that is classic food as medicine at its finest, yeah. which I love. And you mentioned the term toxin earlier. What do you mean by toxin and what are some like internally and externally um, produced toxins? Sure. So when you think of the word toxin, it's kind of like a, you know, it's the simplest way to think about it. So you have your endogenous toxins, meaning things that are old in your body that need to get out. And like we said, like um, old thyroid hormone, old cholesterol byproducts. Um, just things that need to just make their way out and they do the same thing. They go through phase zero, they're in the liver, they go through phase two and so on and so forth. And so um, that's the same mechanism as um, typically as the exogenous toxin. So that's your heavy metals and your BPAs and, you know, all the things that we're, all the chemicals that we are exposed to. They're going to do the same um, movement out and through um as that what would you say to those people who are like you don't need to do anything specific you don't need to take any fancy supplements to support detoxification um your liver naturally that's what it does i i do agree that i think detoxification is not about pressing on the gas you know like giving your body more 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 i think it's more of letting off the brake meaning 
let your, your body's just going to do it. I'm just sitting here and I'm just detoxifying, but there's so many things that press on the brake. And that's in my practice where I'm like, let's, let's look at your lifestyle and think, see everything that presses on the brake and inflammation will stop your detoxification. Inflammation and detoxification do not work together. So if you're inflamed, you're not detoxing. So we can do a million things to help you be less inflamed and your body will just naturally start doing more detoxification. So let me say this, if you're inflamed, you can't supplement yourself to help. You can't supplement this up because it, the, the car's got the brake on. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So that's what I say is that, you know what? Right. Like I agree with you. You don't need a, you don't need a bunch of fancy, fancy stuff, but we sure need to look at the pillars of your lifestyle and then fill in the gaps. We can use, we can use fancy medical laboratory testing to see, you know, or we can, we can use, um, you know, just RBC magnesium, things that are really important, the levels to know those levels. Um, or we can lessen your inflammation, get on a really solid diet, and then magically things are going to start getting better because your body knows what to do. Your body does know what to do. How often do you see your patients coming in with like bags full of supplements or like a whole... Uh. Um, a whole um, bag full of all of these different herbs and products and things that they've tried. And how does that kind of burden the liver? Every day. <laughs> I mean, like <laughs> the case is full of them and you just look at it and at, at them all and you, and you think to yourself, one more supplement's not going to help. It's not, there's no magic cure. This is not, we're not in the allopathic paradigm. We're not one more thing and that's going to get at it. And we're going to talk about this, but there's fitness factors. There's 12, or 10 fitness factors where there's a dietary fitness factor, there is a um, detoxification fitness factor, there's um, respiratory, there's, there's all these fitness factors where you gotta chip away at each of them. And that's in Eric Balcavage's in, in our new book, the whole part three is how to chip away at all three of those so that you're, you're bringing down all that inflammation so your body can just naturally do what it needs to do. So we've mentioned phase one now, so that's where the um, P450 enzymes come in. They take this toxin and change it about a little bit, and in some ways it can become a little bit more toxic in that intermediate step. So then phase two, what goes on in phase two? Sure, so phase two is all about conjugation. So conjugation to make it water-soluble, and that means um, acetylation, glucuronidation, glutathione conjugation, stick a glutathione on there, stick an amino acid on there. So, you know, again, so I didn't say it, sulfation too, stick a sulfur group on there. It's all about this toxin has got to become water soluble because it's going to go into your bile and bile is, is water. It's, a, it's an aqueous 90%, upwards even more so of, of water. So it has to get through there. Um, and, and what phase two needs is it needs a lot of sulfur. Um, so again, cruciferous vegetables, onions and garlics, egg yolks, if you can eat them, it needs amino acids, um, uh, taurine, methionine, glycine, um, cysteine, molybdenum is a really important um, mineral for um, phase two detoxification. B12 is very, very important. And then the master antioxidant glutathione. So we have to have everything running to get that glutathione made to get it broken down um, because um, when glutathione is used, the, um, the used product, the glutathione can actually be toxic. So we have to be able to recycle it. It has to be able to be re recycled. Um, again, that paper alludes, alludes to uh, many foods that can be used, but uh, I find most people who are, are um, not 
healthy, like the chronically ill, they need some work. They need some phase two support. And there's a lot of really great things you can use like sulforaphane, um, uh, hydrogen water will naturally upregulate your NERF2 pathway. Your new NERF2 pathway is your antioxidant, your master antioxidant pathway. So when it gets activated, it creates SOD, superoxide dismutase, catalase, and glutathione, and they just, those are all um, antioxidants that go after all the free radicals in your body, and that's inflammation. Um, so upregulating the NERF2 pathway is really super important. And I have a lot of um, articles on my website that go into more detail um, about like the NERF2 pathway, about molecular hydrogen, um, and that's just drkellyhalderman.com. I'm sure we'll link it. Um, in the show notes, but if you need, if you want to know more about about that, then you can go there too. I think that that's what was happening with me. Um, I was taking glutathione initially. Um, I've been dealing with mold, um, so mycotoxin illness, and I started taking glutathione to do kind of the challenge when I was doing the urine test, and I felt terrible. I would get bad headaches and bloated so and skin rashes. I was broken. So yes. your face. I realized that now. But that is so interesting. So, so the, the next step after, and it's okay, can we? Yeah, right absolutely. So that, that's classic. So that's what happened to me too, is that you've made your toxin water soluble. It is ready to get um, into um, the bile caniculus. So it's ready to get into the, where the bile goes and flows down and into your intestine. But when you're inflamed, there is no exit strategy. The strategy, the, the transporter that takes the phase two um, water-soluble toxins and puts them into the bioconiculus, it's literally pulled from the membrane. And there's a great paper by uh, Shaden Decker out of Townsend Letter 2017 that describes this, this mechanism where the transport system is gone. So you take, you don't, you don't feel well, we don't feel, I had Lyme and mold. We don't feel well, we start taking phase one and phase two upper regulators. And we're making more toxins, and but they have nowhere to go. So what do they do? They go back into your bloodstream, and what do you feel? You feel like crap. And it happens all the time. So phase 2.5 is the movement of the toxins into the bioconiculus. That is the number one place to start. The number one place to start is to make sure your drains are open. Because if you don't, if you start by upregulating your phase one, upregulating your phase two, or chelating yourself, you are going, it's going to backfire and you're not going to feel well at all. So phase 2.5 has three parts to it. It's the movement of toxins. It's the movement of the bile salts coupled with it. So think of the, like a three movement mechanism. So the toxins going into the bile caniculus, the, um, the bile salt is accompanying it, and then phosphatidylcholine is making it flow right? So that's three things that need to happen in tandem in order for your toxin to get into your bioconiculus with the bile salts, with the phosphatidylcholine that makes it nice and flowy. So when we don't have phosphatidylcholine, we get sludgy bile. There's, no, there's not a, a coincidence that most people who have their gallbladder taken out, which is the number one surgery in America, we call it um, the fair fat in 40, which isn't very nice, but it's in medical what we get taught is that you're usually in your 40s, you're female, and you're overweight. Now, let me tell you something. When you get into your 40s, your estrogen starts dropping, right? Your estrogen is crucial for your PEMT gene enzyme to work to make phosphatidylcholine. 
So all of a sudden, you're not making your bile flow. It's getting sludgy. You have symptoms, uh, right upper quadrant pain. You can't handle fatty meals. It may radiate to your shoulder. You feel nauseous after you eat. You're in the OR getting your gallbladder out. When you should have just been placed on phosphatidylcholine, um, your estrogen pathways should have been assessed and made sure that they're flowing in the right direction if you have estrogen dominance. Um, and you should make sure you're manufacturing your um, bile, which is pretty simple as well. So do you think that choline from food is enough, so like egg yolks, liver, or do you think most people do need to consider a supplement? Um, that's a really great question. So I, um, I have discovered a way to kind of indirectly measure um, the, the, the body's reserves of phosphatidylcholine and um, because the cell membranes are so important. I mean, cell membrane health is, 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 is so, so, so important. It's just right up there with liver detoxification and everything. Um, so I use phase angle. So phase angle is a measure of how well your, your cell membranes are because phosphatidylcholine, the phospholipids, build every single one of your cell membranes. So if your phase angle is really low, you can bet the farm that you're low on phosphatidylcholine, right? So you can do a few things if, um, if you don't react well to phosphorus. First of all, food, you're right, food. Let's try almonds, let's try um, eggs and things that have naturally occurring phosphatidylcholine. But the government said a couple of years ago that 75% of the population are deficient in phosphatidylcholine. Um, if you're a woman and you had um, a clogged milk duct, you have phosphatidylcholine issues as well because your milk wasn't flowing. That was me too with my first two kids. So my last one, I'm like, okay. So, you know, what you can do is um, um, give some phosphatidylcholine. You can try it. Uh, not soy-based. I'm not a soy fan. Um, there's no such thing, really, I don't think, as non-GMO soy. But sunflower is a really great source for that. Um, and just do a trial of it. Now, if you don't react well to that, you can do other things that take the pressure off kind of a Kind of a, I wish I had a pathways, genetic pathways. You know I mean? <laughs> Take the pressure off that. You can try a little creatine instead. Now you got to check with your doctor, okay? Because I'm not giving any medical advice. This is all just kind of nutrition based. But you can do things that take the pressure off of making the phosphatidylcholine. And, and most of your methylation goes to making creatine and phosphatidylcholine, okay? So if you give a smidge of, if your creatine's not high, if you don't have any kidney injury, you can give a smidge of creatine, and then you'll have more resources to make. Because I am such a fan of, why don't we just let our body do what it needs to do? Let's, let's get the things out of the way. Um, but that's kind of, that's my strategy for that. And then yeah, watch, your, watch your phase angle go up, you know, and make sure you're on um, good EPA um, in a ratio for DHA. Don't DHA, your, DHA yourself the death, make sure you have um, um, EPA, and there's a really cool new test that um, even um, lay people can order called an uh, Omega Quant, where you can see your levels, which again, that's a foundation, uh, your omega, um, all your omega levels actually, just go to Omega Quant, just type that in Google, it's super great, optimize that, and tons of things get better as well. Yeah, I heard Dr. Ben Lynch mention the um, creatine and phosphatidylcholine link as well, and I, at first I was like, oh, creatine, I think of that as like a protein powder that bodybuilders take, but it does have these other benefits as well. Um, I just learned about how yeah. important it is in brain health. So I'm starting to use it with people with like brain fog, especially, but um, it's really great stuff. And I've also had um, Lily Nichols. I don't know if you are familiar with her work. Um, she's big into choline as well. And she says for pregnancy and neuro, um, neural tube, preventing neural tube defects that, 
choline is just as important as folate and that's oh, most women and um, midwives and things don't even know anything about choline when she's asked them which is scary yeah. and then the sulfur foods that you said earlier do you see this blocked 2.5 pathway being involved in sulfur reactivity so they can't tolerate sulfur rich foods because they get like um hydrogen sulfide type symptoms and SIBO and brain fog skin rashes right so you gotta open up those pathways so that's, that's pretty complicated yeah i do see like people pouring in the sulfur foods and reacting and if you look into the work of stephanie seneth phd from mit she really does a great job of going into how even glyphosate over here is really affecting those those pathways those sulfation pathways so you know, I, I, I approach it a um, couple different ways, you know, depending on what I'm seeing, but certainly some people just need to, to pull most of the sulfur out for a while. They need to get those pathways to support your CBS um, gene, you know, like enzyme, some TMG, trying to just get everything freed up. Um, the low salicylate diet can also help with that. You know, I see on genetics uh, issues with salt, um, I will say that people are pouring um, in licorice um, as a prophylaxis for the coronavirus, and that actually will downregulate your salt, which I just found in the literature. So I'll, you know, have some patients in there on the licorice, and I'll, and they'll just be like, "Oh, terrible!" You know, I, I ate a, some cauliflower, and I used to be able, and I'm like, "Well, because you're impairing what little reserve you had." So that's a, a little clinical proof for you right now because people are trying to prevent you know the IL-6 storm which causes multi-organ failure and am I right it's the S-U-L-T snip U -L -T. Uh, yeah in case people are thinking we're talking about salt we're not talking <laughs> about pink Himalayan salt here no we love salt, <laughs> I know. salt, salt, salt. <laughs> then what about vegetarian or vegan diet so there's tons of amino acids that are needed for phase two so do you ever see people not getting enough protein or they're not getting the high quality bioavailable types Oh, sure. And I think we're, whatever your diet is, we're all guilty of something. You could have a person with a perfect diet, but their absorption, they have leaky gut, their absorption assimilation is terrible. So, you know, really, I'll look at a veggie, I'll, I do a lot of um, spectra cell nutrient evaluations, and I can just show them on paper. I don't think you're absorbing your B12 or, um, you know, maybe you have parietal cell antibodies that are affecting that. So we'll go through, I'll just, I, I like to see what the diet is actually doing. So, because it might be working for them, they might actually be getting what they need or supplementing in something that covers all their bases. So I don't like to make judgment calls right away, but there are vegetarian um, junk food junkies, you know, like cheese pizza and, um, you know, Funyuns and stuff. So, you know, we just try and eat whole foods and then we measure, we measure to see. Because even people eating animal protein every meal, they may not be absorbing and digesting the amino acids. So they could just be as impaired as someone who's on a plant-based diet. Absolutely. And then with the phase 2.5, coming back to that, how does that relate to more of these chronic health conditions like um, mast cell activation syndrome, which is something that I suspect for myself, and Lyme disease, like you said, um, you've struggled with in the past. Is it that poor bioflow makes you more and poor detoxification makes you more susceptible to these things or the other way around? Well, certainly, you know, what can first the chicken or the egg, right? So certainly biotoxins can and mold and heavy metals can set off your mast cells and your mast cells are the ringleader of inflammation. So then they spew out all their, their cytokines and histamine and creates more inflammation, which shifts on your phase 2.5. 
So then when people are like, I have mast cell, I'm going to take, you know, more quercetin and more luteolin and, and things. It, it sometimes, it, sometimes it works, sometimes it backfires. You, you definitely don't want to push detoxification. Some of those things that call the mast cell can be helpful, but let's get rid of the root cause. But um, again, it's, it's, that, it's that cycle. So what I like to see is focusing on, um, again, don't push detox because you're already, you have a, you know, in that hepatocyte, you have a, a waiting list, right? They're waiting to get out. And if they're not going to get out, they're going to go back in. So don't push on your phase one and phase two. Don't ramp up um, all those, those processes. This is not ready, right? Our phase 2.5, again, comes first. So do, do things to lessen your inflammation, okay? So we're, look, look at a buy our book on Amazon. And <laughs> part three of it is the strategy of how to address every lifestyle factor in your book. Ben Lynch does a great job in his book, The Dirty Genes. Scrubbing your genes is just the same thing, right? Clean air, clean water, nothing trumps good nutrition, hydration, rest, and peace, right? Mm -hmm. So we go through that with our patients and we go through then and we dig into those fitness factors. And fitness is kind of a we're not, I'm not talking about, can you run a 5k? I'm talking about, is your diet optimized? We checked your nutrient levels. Maybe you should not be a plant-based vegetarian. You know, maybe you should add in this, you know, um, we look at, um, you know, bile flow. So let's talk a little bit about that. So bile flow is super important. Are you making your bile? Are you manufacturing your bile? So I saw a ton of people, including myself, who had SIBO diagnosis, who get treated, and then they come right back in. So it's a SIBO revolving door, right? In and out and out. Well, what's going on? What's going on is that they're not manufacturing their bile because bile is a sludgy, green, acidic substance that coats our digestive tract and it keeps the it keeps the players in check, it keeps the good guys low, you know, the sorry, the good guys high, the bad guys low. And if it's not flowing, you don't have that natural, that natural, um, it's almost like fertilizer for, for your digestive tract. We always talk about that. You know, that's why we need prebiotics and things because we can't plant seeds on a barren, barren land. So if that, that's not happening, the SIBO. So then I was like, well, let's take a look at these people with SIBO and let's see their genetics. Let's just see if there's anything in common. And lo and behold, they had polymorphisms in their ACAT. Usually, so ACAD is how you manufacture the bile acids, how you break down your proteins and fats. So if you can't break that down, you can't make acetyl-CoA and things, you're going to have problems. You may have problems making bile. So that can be a problem. So you, you're, that's your phase 2.5. Um, so I like to um, make sure that the um, ACAD enzyme is well re um, resourced and nourished. There's a product from Professional Health Products um, called ACAT Assist. And that has naturally occurring um, nutrients in it that, that really help to really optimize that ACAT. Now, you do not have to know your genetics. You do not. If you feel like you don't do well on a keto diet, you know, you don't do well assimilating your proteins and fats, or you have low energy, that's something you may want to try. It's completely, completely natural. Ask your doctor. Um, and then you want to make sure that um, you are manufacturing um, part of that, part of the CoA, and that's the building block, is the PANK, P-A-N-K, enzyme. The PANK enzyme is responsible for the CoA. So ACAP makes acetyl, PANK makes the, the CO, acetyl-CoA. Acetyl-CoA is the building block for so many things. I think we should have put an image in the show notes to just show how important it is to make hormones, to make bile salts, to make cholesterol. Um, and if you can't manufacture that, you got problems. 
And the number one thing I think of in my role, because I'm a detoxification um, person, is making the bile salts. So sometimes I'll use a little tutka, and that's a naturally occurring bile acid, but don't use too much tutka because it can push your T4 pool to your T3 pool. So you almost burn, you affect your, you know, for everything you do, you might affect something downstream. Um, and so I'm, that's what I use. I'll use a little bit of tutka if I have to. Um, to make that, so you're you're making the CoA with the um, uh, I use. If you just want to look it up, Acatacyst is the name of the product because you can just use those nutrients. And um, then the the pantothene. So pantothene has become one of the number one things that I have added in my practice in the past 18 months. Just tons of pantothene. Um, and then and then all of a sudden you're you're making that. And then the third we already talked about is the phosphorylcholine. So we got all that, we decreased the inflammation by looking at all of the things we got going on. Are we breathing right? Are we hydrated? Is our diet right? Um, you know, and then, then we look at, okay, now we can start to push a little more, if we want to, push some detoxification pathways or just let your body do it. You know, just use foods, you know, scan through the paper, make sure you got a good diet, use those foods and just let her rip, right? You know, you don't have to push on the gas. You just removed your foot from the brake and your body's like, yay, I'm gonna get this out. Now, if you're gonna start moving your bile, I want, I want you to think about using an intestinal binder, okay? Because you let the floodgates out. Everybody who was waiting in line, all these toxins waiting in line, they went into the bile flow, they're going into your colon. Don't let all that wonderful process be for naught because your body can absorb it back through your colon. That's called enterohepatic recirculation. So that's why I like to use binders because they bind that in your colon and then they, you make it to the toilet. Um, and then um, also, you know, I'm a fan of, of saunaing and um, just a lot of other natural things to help your body take, to take the pressure off your body for detoxification. And what about coffee enemas? Because they have that additional su support to the liver sure. and the gallbladder. Sure, and that's like a personal, um, if somebody wants to do one, they can, but you know, um, there's not a whole lot of science on it. Do I, do I think they're great personally? Yes, I do think they're great. Agreed. I'm a big fan. And then you do need to follow that up with a binder. That was the mistake I was making. Initially, I'd do my enema, feel great, and then I'd crash later on. I'd get um, drops of blood pressure. I'd get um, some dizziness going on. And I think it's because I wasn't binding to those toxins and they were just recirculating back into the system. So I've learned right. from my mistake. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. So I will mention that I did formulate a product for myself. It's called Phase 2.5 Bile Support. Um, and in it, it has phosphatidylcholine. It has the conjugating factors for bile, so taurine and glycine. Um, it also has artichoke because artichoke is a really great um, nutrient to help support the bile, support the liver. Um, people say to me, why didn't you put milk thistle in there? Well, I didn't because milk thistle messes with your thyroid, thyroid uh, physiology, and I already have Hashimoto's, which is completely under control, but I don't want to push that. And the mechanism is it can um, interfere with a, with a transporter. And we can also show that, pa that um, paper as well. We can provide that paper because it's really interesting. So I don't love milk thistle if you have thyroid issues. I love the artichoke. And then finally, in that formulation that I made for myself, um, it has the bitter herbs. So bitter herbs are super important. If you're really stuck, um, I've used bitter herbs around the clock with people who are really, really, their bile flow is just like, you know, they're, um, they're just, they're just really symptomatic, just more and more herbs. But the product I have, I take two with each meal and it really gets like that, keeps that bile flowing, keeps that bile flowing. 
And for the binders, like, are there any particular ingredients that you found to be effective? Yeah, when I, I also created a binder, phase three um, detox, complete detox, because I wanted something that was very complete. I, I was tired of grabbing um, five different bottles, the chlorella, the, um, the um, charcoal, the bentonite clay. I'm like, well, someone just put this in one bottle? So I met a manufacturer who really agreed with the science. I was like, yeah, you're onto something here. Um, it's their top two the top two products right now because everybody needs to really support their natural detox you know you really our immune system is going to go haywire if we're just a toxic soup um so it has the it has the um charcoal it has chlorella has the bentonite clay sodium alginate um because we're covering we're covering everything right we're covering mold toxins lps like we call it saccharide bad gut um, bpas the whole thing and then it has acacia gum and aloe so it's very gentle I was tired of getting constipated on the binders as well and then my you know people I work with as well so it's it's a really gentle one and you want to uh, I just usually do one at night and paper up you know you need to do but um yeah binders are super important and I agree with you I didn't even really think about the coffee enema connection but yeah of course that makes total sense and be sure to take the binders away from any meals and yeah. supplements and medications because they'll just bind onto pretty much anything good or bad yeah, it's on the lab. You gotta be very, very careful with binders. I agree. And then the last of the phases is phase three. And you've just mentioned that's where kind of binders come in and gut health as well. So why is gut health and digestion having a daily bowel movement so important to finish off the process so of detoxification? Like yeah, it's it's almost the second place. You know, I start in tandem. So it's like if you're not having a daily daily bowel movement, you know, the phase three. So you have phase two point five toxins got in, bile's flowing. If there's phosphocholine, it's flowing down. If your drain is clogged at the bottom, the whole thing, the whole thing is is not going to work, right? So that daily bowel movement, moving that out, get it going. Use fiber. Use sun fiber if you have any. Um, IBS problems, it's FODMAP approved. And I'm also just got FODMAP certified. So I realized the importance of not everybody can take psyllium and not everybody can take, you know, different um, different types of fiber. It really, really reacts to them. So I use a ton of sun fiber. Um, I love that. So so just make sure you're hydrated. You know, everybody's like so simple, but boy, if you're not hydrated, right? It, just forget it. <laughs> you know, just just keep just keep keep an eye on that and make sure that you're hitting those goals. So Yes, 100% that we're, that we're having a daily, daily ball movement. You have to make sure that's in check just about the same time as I'm, and that is part of optimizing 2.5 is, you know, digestive fitness. Like, are, are, we, are we actually, you know, getting out the, um, the things that we're putting into our stool? Then how often do you see things like parasites or this dysbiosis um, causing issues with constipation, recirculation? So there's a term known as the estrobolome, where these bacteria help um, cause you to recirculate estrogen or estrogen in particular. And so could you talk about how gut microbes and all these things play into this? Oh, sure. So the microbiome, the estrobolome, uh, my friend Carrie Jones just nails that like, for all so you know I, I think that if we don't optimize our microbiome I mean it, we're just really just spinning our wheels right so um, you know I love to do GI map tests on people and just to make sure see what's going on you know it just depends on your level of health so you know people are at home and they're like I just want to know how to optimize it well I would say first of all you know cut out all the processed foods 
try and have a whole foods diet, right? Get your prebiotics in, get your probiotics in. You know, there's a million ways to do that as well. And it just depends on what you have going on. So we, I mean, we could talk about 90 different problems with that, but you are right. It, it affects everything. It affects absolutely everything that microbiome does. So, you know, if you've been on antibiotics, that's like scraping paint off the wall. You don't just go back to normal, right? You have to repaint the wall. And sometimes you have to repaint it for six months. Okay, so if you're on antibiotics and you take your um, probiotics one hour before, two hours after, and then you get off your antibiotics and you feel like you're, you're done, you're not done. If you've had antibiotics in your lifetime, I would say that you really need to work on, you know, making sure that the, the microbiome is, is optimized. Um, and again, the, the, the toxins in our, in our foods and things that can really affect it. But um, there's, a, there's just a whole lot of rabbit holes you can, you can go down with that. But it, it, again, it's just, it's just like so foundational um, with, how, with how our microbiomes are looking. So it's kind of like if you're sitting at home and you're not going to go get, get all these fancy tests, just try and optimize everything. Like we just said, all those fitness factors that you can read about in thyroid debacle. Or if you're really sick, you're probably gonna need, you're gonna need to, we're gonna need to know. I'm gonna need to know, do you have acromyces in your gut? Do you have H. pylori? Do you have like something that's that's going on that we need to actually go on, like the five R's, um, the biocyte and you know, whatever protocol that that you like to do to, to kill and restore and all that, those five R's. Um, that's usually need, you need your hand held by um, someone who knows what they're doing. There's even been studies that one round of antibiotics affects your gut for months sometimes years so you can think even back to childhood that is the key time as well that our gut microbiome is kind of um being created and really um being like us being exposed to the environment and birth sets us up long term so really if you've ever been on antibiotics then our gut health probably is slightly impaired and I agree with the probiotics and obviously prebiotic fibers in food. Um, those sulfur-rich foods come in again with some benefits at that point. And I do want to ask um, before we finish up now on how alcohol affects the liver. So we've spoken about caffeine. That was going to be my other question, but um, we know that caffeine can affect phase one detoxification. So how does alcohol play in here? Because some Practitioners say that alcohol has health benefits and it can help with anti-aging because of resveratrol, but then others are like, no, your body sees it as a poison. There's no real health benefits associated. Well, that's like a, that, you know, that's kind of a loaded question, right? Because, I mean, I, I personally maybe have a glass of wine here and I just don't enjoy alcohol because I just see it as a, as a catatoxin. I do. I, I you know, if, if, um, if you can handle it and you're healthy and it doesn't affect your health, you know, we, you can do what you want to do. Right. But if you're struggling, it's going to put more pressure. It's going to cause more inflammation on your liver detox pathways, right? Alcohol and metabolite is a complete toxin. It's a toxin to your brain, takes out your cerebellum. I mean, um, I'm just not, I'm not a fan of like, Oh, a glass of wine good for you every night I, I just think we're already loaded down with toxins and you know what you can take resveratrol right you can take a really nice resveratrol and, and get the the effects um that you would of having that glass of wine right so um i feel like there's two camps it's like the camp that likes to drink and and, and it doesn't you know get anything but good response out of it 
and they're all for and they can find all the science behind all the good things and, and then there's the other side that's against it and they don't feel good and they can find all the science that says it's bad so there's a lot of instances like that right there's yeah kind of it's like that um so it's just kind of you know what is your state of health i mean i you, you could go into um you know the actual mechanism of it but i really think it just it comes down to um it's, it's a toxin and you know and i will say this is how many we were we're so underestimating the number of people in the entire world that have a NASH non-alcoholic status yet have the uh, ptosis meaning our livers from high fructose corn syrup from all this all this diet that we have to to eat um unfortunately it's killing our liver and there's not a whole lot of um great ways to know you have fatty liver so you're going to be pouring fuel on the fire if you are drinking alcohol and you have fatty liver now fatty liver is not a death sentence but it certainly is a huge red flag that you need to wake up and you need to get on a diet that you know has very pretty low carb not you know I'm, again i'm not a fan of any one diet i certainly am not um, but if you have that, there's a lot of good resources um, on naturopathic websites and things because the medical doctor is really not going to know what to do with you either. But just, um, you know, if you've been struggling, you know, I, I would think that that's something you need to, to think about because it's an undiagnosed epidemic. Exactly. And my final few questions for you, Dr. Kelly, before we finish up. First one would be, what's your go-to breakfast? So with you being so knowledgeable about the liver and everything, is there like particular foods that you add in um, are you like an intermittent fasting fan where you skip breakfast and so i fast 18 hours a day because my um autophagy so autophagy is in cellular cleaning uh, i'm not very good at it so i need to give my body a long time to do that cellular cleaning and that's where fasting comes into place so the cellular cleaning will eat up all the debris that's sitting around all the pro proteins that are sitting around and it'll really clean it out so my breakfast is at noon, um, and I usually break my fast um, with um, usually um, some sort of like nutrient, um, something with vitamins and minerals in it. I like um, Speaking Health has a great um, powder that I've used. Um, sometimes um, I'll just eat like uh, a salad or something, but you know, certainly then during my eating window, um, I'll, I'll, I, I don't really, you know, I have three kids. <laughs> And, um, you know, sometimes I'm just a cleanup crew, but we eat organic and we eat whole foods. So, you know, that, that's about it. I don't like have any magical, um, thing that, that I do. I, I try, I look at that paper, really Vivian, I look at that paper that we're going to link to and I just scan it and I go, okay, am I making sure I'm hitting all my bases? Just having a really broad based diet. I did do a test, um, with a practitioner um, over here um, in the Twin Cities, um, her name's Laura Bisick. It's called the MRT test. It's called a mediator response test. And I found out that I had um, some issues, my immunity, rather it's an immune system reaction. So I'm not, I don't really do food testing. I don't think it's real helpful, but this particular test, this MRT test, was extremely helpful to help optimize my immune system. Um, which is imperative right now as we're going through this. So I think um, that was the major thing that changed some of my diet, which is knowing what I'm reacting to on an immune system um, level. Um, and that's, that's about it for my diet. 
Great. Yeah. And I always ask this question because everyone's all very different. And even as um, people in the healthcare industry, everyone has a completely different thing. Some people have a big bowl of oatmeal for breakfast and feel great. Some people fast. <laughs> Some people have a bulletproof coffee. So I'm just trying to show that everyone's a little bit different. You need to find what works for you because even right. healthy foods, like I react to histamine rich foods. So avocados and bacon and all of these spinach yeah, uh, salads. Yeah. Are out of the window for me. What's something that you do every day to stay in hormonal harmony? Hormonal harmony. Um, I would say that every day I try to do something. Uh, well, every day I, I um, use the nutrients to upregulate phase mm -hmm. two, right? Yep. So, and then I use the things that can help make the precursor to all your hormones, acetyl-CoA. Um, I, I make sure I'm taking my pantothene and I make sure I'm taking the nutrients to actually make uh, the building block. Cause I want my body. I just want my body to work. I know my, I know your body works. Like it, it knows what to do. It just, it's like your car. If you just put gas in it, it's going to run. So it's like your body knows what to do. You know, like just don't push too hard. Give it the nutrients that it needs. Make sure that you're making manufacturing your bile and the phosphatidylcholine. So I think that is one of the key things that I, I do. And, um, and sauning like every other day just to get the toxins out because Toxins will interfere. They'll they'll, they'll um, cause your enzymes and all your machinery to not work. So. Mm -hmm. And then pantothene is B five, right? Yep. yep. And is this something that you're into lately? So it could be health related, could be completely random. So we're currently going through um, the COVID nineteen pandemic at the time of recording. So you're probably stuck at home. So is there anything that you've been doing to stay sane? Um, well, I am a huge fan of ozone. Uh, you know, my mentors, um, Dr. Cassie Carlone, who um, is Frank Schellenberger's right-hand lady, um, you know, so I just, it's just all about lately just um, ozone, ozone, um, which you can learn more about, um, which is um, a really cool tool and all that it does. Yeah, I've been hearing tons about it. I'm not too sure about, like, the, the mechanisms behind it. Some people do um, kind of the um like breathing it in i think or that's the only way you can't do ozone you can't ah, breathe it. okay the stethoscope in your okay. ears you can do rectal and then you can do IV. okay it just depends on on what you want to do there's a really um excellent podcast on um, bulletproof radio with um dr robert rowan where he goes through there's like a 12 minute explanation of everything that ozone does that's kind of what i um, share with, with people they want right. to I will be listening to that one this afternoon. So thank you for the recommendation. Um, my final question is where can people find more from you online? And I know that you have a book coming out called The Thyroid, Thyroid Debacle. I think you said in July. So tell July. us a bit more about that. Mm -hmm. So um, you can find more about me at drkellyhalderman.com. So D-R-K-E-L-L-Y-H-A-L-D-E-R-M-A-N.com. Um, and I post blogs, um, posts on there. I post what I'm doing, where I'm going. Um, where I'm speaking, which is basically nowhere for the time being. I'm usually um, a speaker at some sort of conference, but we're grounded now, so that's okay. Um, and then um, I'm on Instagram at Dr. Halderman. I'm on Facebook. You can out to me. I'm mean, pretty much everywhere. If you type in my name, especially if you type in Phase 2.5, you're going to find tons of free lectures, tons of like free um, educational pieces and things. Um, but yeah, feel free. If you've got a question, just just email me off my website and I'll get me and my staff will get back to you. Amazing. And why do you think you're kind of one of the only people talking about the 2.5 detox? 
Well, because I coined the term, so okay. it wasn't it wasn't a thing. But I thought we got to get people's attention. We have to like literally. I don't know if it'll be in textbooks in ten years from now, but we certainly need to like wave the red flags that this is so important and this is where you start. Um, so it's gaining more and more speed. I mean, it's in some. It actually is in a couple of high level like Neil Nathan's book. Um, it's in our book and things. So it's it's gaining ground because people are like, oh, this really works. You know, it really does work when you optimize. So the listeners now will probably know more about detoxification and all the different phases than some doctors, sadly. 110%, <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. I have a lot of colleagues who you know way more than them now. Exactly. So this has been an amazing podcast episode. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this with me. And I think everyone's going to really benefit from this information. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you would love a free copy of my hormone-friendly recipes guide, please leave me a rating and review and I will email you a copy as a thank you gift. All you need to do is screenshot your rating and review and send it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. This guide contains delicious gluten, dairy, grain and refined sugar-free recipes and all the meals contain specific hormone superfoods. Don't worry, there are no boring salad recipes included. Come and say hi over on Instagram at Viva Natural Health as I share a ton of free content every day and you can get to know more about me and how I stay hormonally healthy. If you haven't already, check out my website, vivanaturalhealth.co.uk for my blog and many free guides which cover everything from clearing acne to gut health and hair loss. If you're ready to identify and address the root causes of your hormonal issues, whether that's acne, PMS, PCOS, hair loss or problematic periods, take that first step today and apply for an enrollment call on my website. We'll use this call to discuss the steps that you need to take in order to achieve hormonal harmony and how I could help you get there. See you back here next week for another episode.